morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, I'm Jack. If we haven't officially met, I'm the lead pastor here. I am so glad you guys joined us this morning. Um, we have been in a series uh, during Advent called He Will Be Called. And uh, it's from Isaiah 9-6, which was a prophecy about Jesus 700 years before Jesus, you know, came to the planet. And it's pretty cool uh, what Isaiah had to say about Jesus. And so we've been taking uh, one of those names each week and looking at it and, and kind of digging in. I mean, Jesus is so big that you can't just name him one name, right? And, and even with these names, it's not all-inclusive, all but it gives us a, it's kind of an attempt at describing a person who is literally indescribable. And so that's what Isaiah was trying to do. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the first week we talked about Mighty God, and, and then we talked about a wonderful counselor that wants to help you, and you can go to this counselor for, for anything and advice and help. And today, uh, we're going to talk about an everlasting father. And then on Tuesday, Christmas Eve, we're going to wrap it all up and talk about the Prince of Peace. And um, you're going to want to come back for that because if you're feeling like me right now, I don't know if you're experiencing a lot of peace. Maybe I'm the only one. But we're going to just try to take at least an hour and just some, bring some peace into all of the chaos uh, of Christmas. So today, everlasting father. How many of you uh, have or had a father? Okay, quite a few of you. Now, I, I didn't say had a good father. So, but we, we all, you know, probably had or have a father. And this one's a little bit tough for us because we can all wrap our heads around, you know, a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and a prince of peace. But, but when it comes to a, a father... Well, it just brings in a lot of baggage for some of us, doesn't it? Uh, it makes God, like, personal, and maybe too personal um, for some of us. And I think it would have been the same for the Jewish people. You know, they were probably, hey, I'm good with all of these names, Isaiah, but then this one, this one's a little bit, a little bit tough. And if I asked you to rate your earthly father, I mean, we would be all over the map in this room. You know, some of you would, and I can see it on your faces, some of you would say, you know, he was a great dad, or he was average, or I never met the man, you know, or I don't ever want to see him, talk about him, don't even say his name. All these extremes when it comes to our earthly fathers. But then suddenly Jesus is revealed to us as another father in our life. And so some of us carry a lot of, a lot of baggage, and a lot of memories, and a lot of emotion, some pain, some happiness, some it's love, some it's hate, some it's encouragement. For some of you, you think of discouragement. Even the term biological father kind of just reveals the dysfunction around our earthly fathers. I had a great father. He's 85. Uh, we just got news that he's probably not going to be with us much longer, like a matter of days. Um, but it's not a sad thing. He, he's, been, he's been in a rough place for three years, and this is a good thing. 
And so even when I'm writing this talk, you know, I'm thinking of my own, my own dad, and um, my mom wants me to, to do the memorial, and, um, and so it's interesting the timing, isn't it? But my dad, man, he was, he was awesome. He never met a person he didn't like. He, he always provided an, another seat at our dinner table for anyone. He was always bringing home these people, strangers and stuff, and us four kids would just stare at him. We wouldn't even eat. We'd just watch the stranger, you know, and who are you? Where'd you come from? And uh, he was very fun-loving, uh, taught me to hunt, taught me to fish, taught me to work on cars. Uh, he was kind of cheap, so we always bought these lawnmowers that didn't work. So we always had like four lawnmowers, but none of them worked. So we were always working on them. Uh, he taught me how to eat ice cream. He loved his ice cream. Like, slow and with a big smile on your face. He loved his ice cream. He laughed a lot. He told lots of jokes. He was a prankster. He worked hard. He was a supervisor, but he treated people fairly. Uh, when I would meet some of his employees, they'd say, oh, your dad's great. He, he, he was well-respected. Um, you know, he became a follower of Jesus late in life, uh, after the Navy, um, and it just seemed to mean a lot more to him. When I would see, you know, other people and compare, um, it, it was like he had really been saved from something. And, and he lived his life that way. Now, in contrast, um, my mom's father, my grandfather, never met him. If you brought a picture, you know, put him in a lineup, I wouldn't be able to point him out unless there was some kind of DNA thing that looked the same. But we, all I ever heard about my grandfather was uh, drinking and abuse. That's it. And, and he died and we didn't talk about him. And so... Quite the, quite the contrast. And I know that for many of us, that's, that's the contrast uh, in this room. So when we hear everlasting father, I mean, it just conjures up all kinds of stuff and different meanings depending on your life experience. And we, we tend to project the, the image of our earthly father onto our everlasting father. And here's the danger in that. And this is why I'm spending so much time just on the front end of this. When we do that, good or bad, Jesus gets shortchanged. When we project our, our earthly father on Jesus, good or bad, Jesus gets shortchanged. So it's really important that we adjust the lens that we're looking at our, our everlasting father through. You know, maybe you had the best dad on the planet. Yeah, you know, he had that cup that says number one dad. I always wondered why, how, how are there so many of those cups that say number one dad, if there's only one? Michael Phillips, an author, he said this, if earthly fathers are intended to be mirrors reflecting back some image of God, there's no denying they are cracked and broken. The image they reflect is, is incomplete and distorted. And I know as a father of four that to think that my kids see their heavenly father like me, is actually terrifying. I mean, I don't think I'm that bad, right, Bryce? But, you know, I'm no, I'm no God. And so uh, Martin Luther put it this way. He said, I have difficulty praying the Lord's prayer because whenever I say our father, I think of my own father who is hard, unyielding, relentless. I cannot help but think of God that way. And so that's the danger. And for many of us, you, you might think of a father as someone who was never satisfied. You know, they were so driven, and you were so driven, and, 
and, and you, you wanted their approval so much and you worked so hard and, and you, you, know, you long for those words, I love you or I'm proud of you and, and they were completely elusive to you. And you just kept you know, just doing everything you could to get it. Like a carrot on a stick and it, it just never happened. Some of you tried your entire life to just be perfect for your dad because you needed that acceptance and, and affirmation but it never came. It was never there. And my dad didn't. He came from an old school. You know, he's 85, so old school. They didn't, he didn't say, I love you, much. Um, I knew he did because the way, the way he, he demonstrated it all the time, but, but he didn't grow up in a time when you said that. And so I remember I told some of you this about the time I was in college. I think the first time I came back from college. I don't know if he read a book or he heard, a, heard something at church, but he just started saying, I love you, all the time just pouring it on, and it was a little bit like, Dad, you know, take a step back, you know. Uh, and at the same time, he, he became a hugger. And so I'm like, what is this, you know? Um, and even though it was a little hard, I, I liked it. You know, I, I kind of, I appreciated the effort. Many of us long for that, but, but it never happened. And when we wrongly look at our everlasting Father through the lens of our earthly Father, we see maybe a father who's never satisfied, someone we could never measure up to. You might see one who's, who was always angry and just ready to pounce. And, and when he came home from work, you know, you would just kind of go, okay, who are we going to get? Like, you know, which, which dad's going to show up? And you're walking on eggshells and you don't know. And he's, oh, he just kicked the dog. Okay, let's stay away. You know, maybe it was like that. And you felt like if you just stepped out of line, you'd be in trouble. Maybe your dad said hard words to you that have never, never been reconciled, like, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. Maybe, or you're a loser, or you were an accident. You know, we never really wanted you anyway. And it just kind of ripped you up on the inside. And when we look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through the lens of our earthly Father, it can really mess us up. Some of you saw a Father who... Uh, was never there. Never came to your soccer games, forgot your birthday. Maybe as a child you were a victim of divorce and all of a sudden, dad who was there now wasn't there anymore. He wasn't there for you when you broke up with your, you know, your first boyfriend to put his arm around you and console you. Didn't attend your wedding. Um, the list can go on and on. Maybe he was just addicted or you could never trust him or he, you know, he was just inconsistent. We all had different life experiences. Before you get too bummed out, I want to look at the characteristics of our everlasting father because they're so different. And so I'm going to kind of rapid fire through some of these. Our everlasting father, our heavenly father is a compassionate father. He's compassionate. Psalms 103 Eight says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Even when I read that, it just brings a peace over this place, doesn't it? I feel a peace just on me right now when I read that. That's your true father. That's your true heavenly father. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Matthew 9.35 puts it this way. 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Another thing that we can count on about our Heavenly Father is that he, he wants to help us. He's a Father who wants to help us. In Luke 7, verse 11, uh, this is a really crazy story. You guys should unpack this a little bit more in your small groups next time you meet, but listen to this. Uh, Luke 7, 11, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up. That must have been a moment, huh? He sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to do what? To help his people. I think this was, I don't even think this thing was planned. I think this was like a drive-by, like a drive-by healing, you know? I think Jesus was going this direction and there's a funeral procession over here and he just sees that the mom uh, is already a widower and this is her last son and he just is like, enough, enough's enough. And he just goes over there and touches that coffin and brings the guy back to life. Because our heavenly father is a father who wants to help us. That's his heart. He's also a father who's always there. Always there. You know, I mentioned it earlier, there were times when you wished your dad was there. For whatever reason, he couldn't be there. He wasn't there. Maybe he said, I'll be there, but he wasn't there. Psalms 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And I love that moms don't get off the hook here, do they? And we, this could be a talk about parents, really. But when your parents abandon you, your heavenly Father will hold you close. Hebrews 13, 5, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. I, I will never abandon you. So you can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Another characteristic of our Heavenly Father is that he's a, he's a Father who provides. He'll provide for us. He provides for us. You know, he, he owns everything. Like, it's all his. And he knows what you need. Matthew 7, 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to you? for those of, those of you who ask him. And you know, provision is more than stuff. It's more than money. Provision is guidance and care. Provision is, 
is time, quality time. Provision is, is protection. Uh, it's being present. Matthew 6.31, don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He already knows. And he'll give you what you need. Day to day. We don't like that part, do we? The day to day. You know, I'd like to see like January stuff taken care of. Day to day for him and, and make the king, for those of you who live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. There's a little bit to do on our side of things. A little bit on our side of the equation. But if we're doing that, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't need to. And when I think about my life, 52 years-ish, I'm somewhere in there, I'm in denial. Uh, I've never gone without a meal. I've never really been hungry. I, I, I've never had a day where I, I, I don't have anything to wear. Like, I probably have way too many choices. I, I've never spent the night out because I don't have a sh place to live a roof over my head. God's always come through for me. He's also a father who corrects. He's a father who corrects. Hebrews 12, 7, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. Whoever heard of a child who, has never, who was never disciplined? Well, some of us have heard of them, but they're, they're probably in jail or something, Right? They're a mess. If God doesn't discipline you as he does, all of his children, it means you're not, that you're illegitimate. You're not really his after all. And so when he disciplines us, it, it says, hey, you're my kid. You're mine. I, I had a lot of freedom growing up. I mean, and it was a different time. You know, summertime you'd head out and your parents didn't really think about you until dark. You know, some of you remember that. You know, we just, Dan remembers, you know, we just, we were gone. And if you needed a call, you had to carry some dimes in your pocket. Some of you know what that's all about. But we were, we were just out there. And there were times when, you know, I, I kind of wished some older parent or person would have just said no for me. Like there were, there were times when I was probably out doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing or going to stay at someone's house. And, and there were times when I, 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 you know, I would ask and I would just hope that maybe they would just say, no, no, you can't do that. To, to, to just bring protection. Um, loving fathers say no to their kids. They do. Whenever we're dealing with leaders on staff or volunteer leaders, um, I always find out, really find out about them when I have to say no to them about something. I really find out where they're at and where their heart is. A father is someone who defends and protects. Defends and protects. Psalms 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord, he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I am trusting him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. 
real fathers protect their children from harm and abuse. Our Heavenly Father is also a father to the fatherless. I don't know how many generations, but we've been generation after generation after generation of, of fatherless, of, of absentee fathers, of broken fathers. You know, a lot of times it wasn't their fault, but they just didn't have much to work with. Um, when I think of my own daddy, he did a pretty good job. He didn't grow up in the church. He didn't know Jesus till later in life. And, you know, I look at the tools he had and, and he did a pretty good job. But a lot of dads don't. We need dads to step up. We, we, we need dads to step up and, and, and look at those characteristics of their heavenly father and, and, and bring those into the equation. But when they don't, God is a father to the fatherless. Psalm 68, 5 puts it this way from the message. Father of orphans, champion of widows, is God in his holy house. God makes homes for the homeless, leads prisoners to freedom, but leaves rebels to rot in hell. That one's a little tough. Especially at Christmas time. But I couldn't just leave it off of there. Because somebody would email me. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. A father to the fatherless. Your heavenly father is also a father who believes in you. He believes in you from the beginning. He believes in you before you do anything, good or bad. He just always believes in you because you're his kid. You know, like, he brags about you. He brags about you to the angels. I mean, he believes in you. And we see a picture uh, of this relationship between the Father and Jesus at Jesus' baptism. You know, we can look at, at um, the interaction between Jesus and the Father, and, and we can pick up cues about who our Father is. Jesus said, if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you, you've seen the Father. And so there's this amazing picture of Jesus' baptism um, found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and it says the moment Jesus came up out of the, the waters, the skies opened up, and he saw God's Spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And, and along with the Spirit, a voice, this is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. And he says the same thing about you as a daughter and as a son of his. Delight of my life. He said this about Jesus before his ministry started. He said this about Jesus before he had done hardly any miracles. Delight of my life. That's your heavenly father. That's how he sees you just because you're his kid. The famous Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's your heavenly father. That's your everlasting father. And it's everlasting. Like it never runs out. 
There's nothing too big in the relationship between you and him where he can't come through. Everlasting Father. And, and when you marry that with last week, mighty God, you know, mighty God, a Father who's omnipresent, meaning he can always be there, and a Father who's omniscient, meaning he knows everything and knows everything about you, and he still says, I delight in you. And, and when you marry that with a Father who has unlimited power, who's, who's omnipotent, and there's nothing too big, there's no problem too big that he can't solve it, then it brings clarity to our everlasting Father. Where's my band? Come on up, AJ. Let's go ahead and stand. And I just want to pray for you guys. Um, as I was writing this and thinking about it, I, I know I stirred a lot of stuff up in the first part of this. I know some of you are thinking, come on, it's the holidays. Why are we stirring stuff up? But I, I think until we learn to forgive, some of you need to forgive a parent. You need to forgive a father. Until we do that, the, the lens that we see our Heavenly Father through is just going to be broken and distorted. And, and when we forgive a parent, we're not saying that anything they did to us is okay. We're not saying that any of those times when they abandoned us is okay. We're not saying that any of those times that they didn't provide for us is okay or they didn't protect us is okay. But we gotta forgive them for us. The Bible talks about when, when there's unforgiveness in us, there's a bitter root and, and this bitter root takes hold and it grows in us. And, and we end up just hurting us. I heard someone once say it's like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemy. We just end up in bondage ourselves. So I'm just going to invite God's presence here right now and, and, and to do business. And if this stirred something up in you, maybe this is the, the best present you can get this, this Christmas season is to, to forgive a parent, to forgive a father, so that you can finally see clearly your heavenly father. A lady came up to me, she was a little bit older and after first service and she just said, man, when you said that, like I had this, this picture, this vision uh, of um, like a carabiner and I was connected to my earthly father and, and, and when I looked over there, I couldn't quite even see him clearly. He was just kind of distorted. But, but when I forgave him, it was like I, I lifted up, like I floated up, like I was released by forgiving him. And she just was so passionate about sharing that with me in the lobby. Um, just a few moments ago, I wanted to share it with you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for being an everlasting father. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come manifest your presence. We invite your presence here right now because you are omnipresent. And you can be with us right now and you can be with everyone else on the planet at the same time. So thank you for that. And we just invite your presence here to do business. 
in our hearts. And where there's unforgiveness, I pray that you will break something. That you will break something. That those of us who need to forgive will have the courage to forgive. The courage to say, I I don't get all this. It hurts still, but God, I'm going to give it to you because I trust you. The pain, the hurt, the wrong. Bring it to Papa God. To Abba Father, to your everlasting Father. And I just want to encourage you as we sing these next few songs that you go back to our prayer area, just step out. You know, just stepping back there, it it takes faith, doesn't it? It takes courage. And you can go back there for anything, not just these unforgiveness issues. If you need healing today for for sickness, you know, go for it. It can just be, it doesn't have to be a big sickness. It can be a little sickness. Your, Your heavenly father wants to heal you. If you're looking at your Christmas list and you're going, wow, I don't even have enough credit cards to cover this. Your Heavenly Father wants to to provide for you. Go back there and get some prayer for that. Maybe you're not feeling peace at all this time time of year. And and there's, there's family members coming in and you're just dreading the conversation. Because the last time you guys were together, it didn't go so well, did it? You said stuff, and they said stuff. Take it to your everlasting Father. Present it to Him. He's big enough. Father, thank you for being a father to us. Thank you for being a father to the fatherless. We thank you for your presence this morning.